0: Today we delve deep into the mind of a true champion of children as we chat to New Zealand's Chris Lamsam on Benny Asking People Questions. Today we delve deep into the mind of a true champion of children as we chat to New Zealand's Chris Lamsam on Benny Asking People Questions. Considering today's guests, I'm gently reminded of the main character in S. Fierce Slabukina's tale, Caps for Sale. Walking perfectly through the town square, managing to balance many a hat while keeping them pristine, in order and perfectly still, a feat only few people can manage. But today's guest does just that, balances many a hat perfectly still, perfectly succinct and perfectly measured he's a man with a deep deep love for the worlds and well-being of children and it shows in each and every hat he wears i'm going to let him fill you in on his career for it is vast and anything but simple but what it is is genuine it's filled with a joy rarely seen and it just also happens to be filled with awesome music as well I give you, um, New Zealand, one and only Chris Lambsham. Chris, thanks for joining me all the way from the impossibly progressive Wellington, New Zealand. Thanks for chatting.
1: <laughs> oh, Benny, that is just the best introduction <laughs> I've ever had in my entire career. I'm just going to say that for everyone listening right now, that this guy knows how to wax lyrical (laughs) about people. I'm wiping tears away, and I feel like I should be walking up onto a podium (laughs) accepting a Lifetime Achievement Award. But... That's not the case, because it's, I'm just for slam fan, and I'm very humbled and happy to be here with you,
0: Benny. Well, you know, and you're also too young. You're not going to get a Lifetime Achievers Award for quite a while yet, mate, so, you know, <laughs> I, I, I suspect you've got much more up your sleeve, so let's let's not end it too soon. I, I there'll, there'll be more to come, <laughs> I suspect. Um, Now... It is a real joy speaking to you because you, you you are such an impossibly massive figure in the in the in the scene in New Zealand and a very important one behind the scenes. Now In my research and learning about you and and trying to get my head around you, um, I'm not going to lie, it gave me a migraine almost immediately and I found myself (laughs) deep inside this this lamb, Sam, rabbit hole with every link I learned something new about you and quite frankly, it was totally frightening and exhausting and exhilarating (laughs) in equal measures. So I'm just simply going to let you begin in your own words right back to (laughs) what I guess was the formation of Funky Monkeys or was there a different place that it started for you?
1: Mm, Let me just roll back a few pages in the book and see what I can come up with. Mm. Uh, Yes, so uh, how, how did it all begin? Well, the Funky Monkeys were really an answer to A hole in the New Zealand market we perceived, and it was a a hole we wanted to fill, essentially with something local uh, that the Wiggles had opened up. So we looked at what was what was happening over um, in your fine country of Australia, and saw the potential uh, for creating fun, wholesome um, children's entertainment. with uh with, with New Zealand accents. That's kind of what we were missing. And at the time there was a real surge in A B C content coming through New Zealand which was being picked up. Uh we were we were full of uh bananas and pyjamas. We sure. were yeah definitely definitely full of the wiggles. There was just there were so many Australian accents which um our Kiwi kids were listening to and not a lot of New Zealand content being created, um particularly musical content that we thought was high quality. So we were, we were, um, what's the word? Um, brash enough to think that we could do it. And so in 2003, I got, I actually got a phone call from some friends saying that like, we're going to, we're going to have a catch up together. We've got this idea. And so I went along to this dinner. We had fish and chips at our friend's house <laughs> and we, we, we talked about this idea of maybe making the band, um, yeah. for, for, ch- for children that could tour New Zealand. And so I was, captivated by the idea. I had had limited uh, experience working with kids at the time, and this was in 2003. Um, I had toured New Zealand in a band, and we had been going and performing to 10, 10 and 12-year-olds throughout New Zealand for an entire year, which was great. It um, was a mission-based band, but basically yeah. after that, I sort of had three years of not really doing doing much for kids. Sure. and. Um, and, and so when my friends came to me, and these were friends that I really highly respected, one was James James Hanna, who was a music teacher um, at a high school in Hamilton, which was where we were living at the time, Hamilton, New Zealand. And the other one was Neil Tolan, who was our good, um, just a good friend and really, really funny, always made us laugh. And the other founding member of the Funky Monkeys was our video producer, Hans Belter. And he um, was really keen to kind of help with the production side of things. So we had this really great core team of like a music teacher who was also a primary school teacher at the time. Mm. We had a, a, a sort of comedian, a comedian and a guitar player. We had a video producer and then it was me. And at the time, <laughs> I honestly didn't really, I didn't really know what I brought to the table, but it wasn't until they said, well, actually, you know what, we've, we've recorded some demos already. Um, would you like to, to hear them and, and try and work with them? And I, I had never, I had never sort of just been handed demos before, and so they gave me these songs, and I thought, well, you know, I play keyboard, so maybe I can add some instruments into this. And a lot of what I did in those sort of, well, this is what I think we could do yep. sessions with just my just myself in Hamza's studio became uh, very much the blueprint for Jungle Party, which was our first album. Yeah. So that, um, so, I'm all over that. And uh, that's sort of how I, I feel like I weaseled my way into the band, but that I was definitely supposed to be there as one of those fates. Yes, I do know what you mean. Me. And,
0: and here you are talking about you, you were trying to work out how you would fit into the whole scenario. Little did you know that, you know, here, you know, 15 years later, you'd be um, happily receiving a Lifetime Achievers Award in children's music. <laughs> um, I guess, had you, you, you're also a trained teacher. Um, and i guess I guess the one thing that you said in there that really stood out to me, which i which I think about, and I use the internet in an extraordinarily broad, broad <laughs> forty year old term um what it really has done though, is it has created this opportunity that the children that quite often aren't represented and aren't heard and are, are now able to find themselves represented, and it sounds like that was quite an important thing for you, quite personally, that you know, New Zealand children needed their own voice on that landscape. Was that was that quite a driving force for you right back then?
1: Yes, uh, definitely, uh, we. And, and uh, I have to be honest. Like I, I was a big fan of ban- Bananas and Pyjamas. Like yeah. I thought the, the content and, and the Wiggles. I thought the stuff that, that was coming out from Australia was incredible. Mm. Um, but we just felt uh, underrepresented. I think our children were under underrepresented in. In our in our own sort of um, small small farm of four million people, so yeah. it, I, we felt, we felt like we could we could give this a good nudge, and we we really used the model of the Wiggles to to launch um, yeah launch local voices in our music, I guess
0: yeah
1: uh, to, to to the world, and, and um, we would do things like we would research how they would sell merch at their shows. We actually when they came to New Zealand, we would actually go and watch what they do, and we would take notes and yeah. Um, Yes, I do, I do remember getting a once-over from a lady sitting next to me. She said, "What is a, what is a man like you end up at a wiggle show uh, with no children for? What, what's that about?" And I, and I just said, "Oh, I, I'm just researching. Yeah, I'm just, big, I'm big just fan. researching. Um, yeah. And uh, so, so that's kind of how we 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 figured out how we were going to represent mm. New Zealand music to New to Kiwi kids. And to be honest. You, I can't. I don't want to be arrogant about this because there were other practitioners and artists in New Zealand writing music for children. Mm. It was just um, they just weren't performing it widely throughout New Zealand, or and and some people were just really just recording artists. So, so we were the first, uh, well, in a long time, apart from another group called Alphabet Soup, who had sort of retired, and we were sort of picking up the the, um, the the baton. Uh, we were really the first kind of group to to try and do something nationally on a really big brand scale at like the Wiggles so that we could reach more kids. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, please put your hands together for the stupendous, remarkable, astounding, breathtaking, incredible, unbelievable, beyond your wildest dreams, mind-boggling, jaw-dropping, Funky Monkey! Hello, everybody! Wow, everyone looks fantastic. Has to out there. Yeah, they really do. Let's start the show. We are the Fungy Monkeys. Welcome to our show. We're gonna have a good time. I'm Chris. I'm Neil. I'm Joe. We're very pleased to meet you.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that kind of I think you just know that then with the, with that brand with the common brand scale. I mean, I think that's the thing. What Wiggles did, didn't I? Mean, you, you can you can have your opinion of them, and that's great. But what they did do is they they made the children's market a really viable market it made it something that yeah. people wanted to go and see and you know and and I, and I, again going back to you know the children being represented you know and and I I appreciate you saying that the content from Australia was good but but you know it's not about it's not about doing better content it's about looking at the children which i think it's a question I had for you later on in the interview, but but it's interesting that you bring it up now. It permeates through everything you do. There is a genuine desire to see, as I said in the introduction, I feel in the things that you create, there is this desire to really see the well-being of the children that are around you met and measured. And it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that your one of your main drives would be, you know, it's wonderful the content we're getting, but these children need to see themselves because that's how they're going to be inspired to do greater things themselves. That's how they're going to get that assurance that it's okay for them to just reach out for those goals as well. I guess. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and and I you know, and I think I think that's really. Beautiful. That was less this, less a question and more me just a commenting because um, you know as I said your career is quite huge, so it was <laughs> nice that I had a specific <laughs> a specific thing to say oh. about it. Um, as mentioned in the introduction, you you do wear a, a crazy amount of hats, just like the peddler in um in Caps for Sale. Um, and you do you do create these deeply rich and sp- it, it's a very specific content. Like I think of the Sailor Asthma show. I think with your work with the New Z the NZ mm. Symphony Kids for Kids. Now. Each one of these has its own dedicated website, content resources. I mean, it's, it's really, as, as a viewer, you know, it's very hard to grapple with the amount of content that's available. Now, obviously, if I'm specifically looking for asthma, then it's a bit of a different scenario. But for me, that just wanted to know more about you. Um, how, how do you go... I mean, it's not just a desperately large workload. It's quite disparate as well. Like, it's very varied. I mean, how do you go about trying to keep all this stuff relevant and poignant? Or does it all just conveniently fall under the Chris Lam-Sam umbrella?
1: Good question. Very good question. I expect a good answer, Chris. Yeah. Okay. So, I... for many for many years, ever since I became a full-time Funky Monkey in 2008, whenever I've been asked by someone to fill out an official form and it lists occupation, I say "entertainer." And when I write that word in an official form, I'm really stepping into. Um, uh, a commitment to take on whatever, whatever comes my way, because as entertainers, that's what we need to do. Mm. We, we don't wake up every morning with a nine to five. We wake up with a, with a, yeah. okay, well, you know, in two days time, I've got this thing with this much money. And, and in six months time, I've got this thing and it's, you know, it's going to take me six weeks to finish. So you're constantly piecing together, um, a, yeah. a really elaborate tapestry of work every year as an entertainer. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, uh, I've been fortunate in that I haven't really ever had to go out of my way to uh, to um, to get work. Work's kind of come to me, and I feel that's because I've stayed true to that calling of being an entertainer, and particularly um, – I remember going to an audition uh, for a um, a, a talent agency in Wellington, and I was putting my hand up to maybe go and do television work, and I sat down with the agent, and she said, "Uh, okay, so, you know, um, it's great. We've got you on file. Is there anything you don't want to do? And I was like, oh, well, I work a lot with kids, and uh, so I don't really want to do anything that would jeopardize that. There was a five-second pause sure. from the agent behind the sure. table and she was like so so no al- no alcohol yeah, advertising no, yeah. I was like no I can't she was like no no smoking yeah. you know no smoking at rolls or anything I was like yeah I can't I can't do that and she said "She kind of just sat back in a chair and folded her arms and just said so you're a champion for the young and I went yeah, I'm a champion for the young. And she was like, cool, well, I can't guarantee that we'll have much for you. And and to this day, I've never been called. And I think (laughs) that's... I, I think that's. I think for me that was a really great milestone moment. So I went, yeah. you know, I'm an entertainer. I'm also a champion for the young. That's yeah. the thing that yeah. that I, that I want to uh, be remembered for, but also that I want to uphold. So these these roles come to me. People go, oh, Chris Chris yeah. Lamson, he'd be good for this. Yeah, you should you should talk to him. And in New Zealand, because we all know each other, it's great word gets around and mm. and. Uh, and before you know it, I'm, you know, you know, I'm going off on tour with the, the symphony orchestra, or I'm, or I'm, or I'm doing, you know, I'm picking up a musical director role, which I've had for well, the kids for kids show has been. This is my twelfth year as musical director for that, and so we see ten thousand kids a year, so it, it's great. Um, yeah. I've worked with, so, with, with, yeah, with with so many kids, uh, and I've been so grateful in all these roles. So. Uh, To go back to your original question, I think um, I I don't think I've really orchestrated all of this myself. It's sort of come to me because of those two things being an entertainer, um, being a champion for the young. Oh, I'm a flea. I like to hop. I like to hop to the sky. I'm a flea. I'm so fly. I'm a flea. Okay, go, Frog. Oh,
0: I'm a I think that's the thing, though. There's there's a lot of heart in what you do. And I, and I guess, <clears throat> you know, I get this sense that, you know, you probably get approached a lot with things that you go, oh, that's actually a really lovely thing that I want to be part of, you know. And and yeah. how, how, how do you say no to that? It, it's funny you were saying about, you know, you do what, you know, as, a, as an entertainer, you do what comes next. And, and funny, the only other person who I've interviewed that's ever said that was Peter Dacent. Just um, Justin Love Peter. Yeah. Um, and he said the same thing. He's, you know, he was talking about his film work and everything with Peter Jackson and he was just like, he said, you know, he said none of my life's been scripted. He said I woke up each day and did what was offered to me and that's led me yeah. here and that's how it's worked and maybe that's a new Zealand. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's an Australian thing to wake up and write a 30-year plan and be furious if you, don't, if you don't meet the first year's goals. I like to hop Yeah. into your music because I, I think that is where, you know, underlying all of this and underpinning all of this is is your love for just the creation of, of tunes and that kind of thing. <laughs> Funky Monks. I love it. I love it. With Funky Monks, obviously we've got Joe McNamara and Neil and They're your main touring buddies, mm. I get the impression. And now from 2004 to 2012, we've got pretty much 10 releases from singles to EPs to feature to albums. That's mm. 10 things of content in eight years. That's almost Beatles worthy. It, how, I not thought of it that way. Yeah how how exhausting were these years? Were they were they pretty? Did it not? Did it seem busy, or was it just so much fun you just got caught up in the fun?
1: Uh, it got busy as 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 we sort of started winding down our full time employment because we were full time for two and a half years. So that means we were on salary, yep. and we uh, we were touring constantly. And when it was full time. It, it, the, the pressure was on sure. because we always needed to have new content in the wing ready to go for the next tour for the next year people were expecting that we would have um, that we would have something new and then kind of what happened uh, a lot of those releases that we did in that time were actually a I don't know if you have do you have the Plunkett organization in the, you probably don't in Australia but Plunkett is really a, a national body yeah, of nurses Nurses and practitioners here who look after new families and, and especially new mums and newborn yep. babies, they, they, they do the wellbeing checks. We got called by Plunkett New Zealand to say, hey, can you uh, maybe go and promote good parenting, um, which is something that we really want to do in, in um, low socioeconomic communities. So we actually ended up writing four, I think it was four different albums for them yes. over yes, quite a few quite a few years and then we yep. compiled it into one. So that's on Spotify. But yep. um, that was... That was huge. I mean, to have to have our own content and then a whole bunch of new commissioned work for an organisation yeah. was was really special, but it was full on. And um, but we just we just uh, this was really before digital distribution existed, and so we had to create discs of content. Yeah, so yeah. if we were if we weren't if we weren't doing a CD, we'd be doing the DVD of the CD yeah. we did the year before. Yeah, um, yeah. because they were the, always the biggest sellers. at shows. Hello, I am a low voice And
0: I am a high voice
1: Together, we would like to sing you a song
0: Yeah, let's do it, low voice
1: My voice is low
0: My voice is
1: high My voice is low My
0: voice is high
1: We sound like, like this, and we know why. It's because my voice is low. My
0: voice is high.
1: Very nice, high.
0: Let's let's go to silly, funny songs for kids because I think I think you know what we now see in Chris Lambsam is someone who's really starting to establish himself and is now this person, and you know. I, it's it's you. It is you. This album, and and one of the first things I noticed about this album is the absence of intros, which is almost paramount in all the work with the Funky Monkeys. And and I, I in all yes. the Funky Monkey stuff, it starts off with a small intro with the three of you chatting with each other, and then I sort of thought, yeah. well, I guess is that is that about is that what you do when you've got three voices or three people needing to be heard? Is that what you do when you kind of, you know, when you when you're trying to build it off a live thing? What was you know, and then it's not necessary. The yeah. yeah, and it's not necessary on a solo solo album. Is this is this is this a reasonably correct comment? Or because there's a real absence of that.
1: I would definitely agree, and I think a lot of the a lot of the albums we did with the monkeys they, they were built around concepts. That sometimes we would, you know, jungle party. We're in a, we're in the jungle and we're having a party. Welcome to the party. Here's a song about the jungle party, or or you know, hey, should yeah. we play a game? Great idea. Here's a game. Um, and that was and so it was more like theater of the mind stuff with the Funky Monkeys. Whereas <laughs> with this album, so silly funny songs, which was my first solo album, I I didn't know what direction I was going in at any one time. You know, I would sit down <laughs> sit down and one day when I was you know I had to write a song that day and I would go cool. So wow, uh, what what's cool today? <laughs> I feel like writing a song about hopping <laughs> about yeah. And, hopping so or nothing. You, Oh, nothing. That I mean, that song in itself has a great backstory. We'll come to that. But the um, the yeah, it it was me sitting in a room here, and I'm in fact the room that I recorded the album in. I'm sitting in right now. It's it's my makeshift office at home, and and I have a studio set up in here. And um, it's not glamorous, but uh, sounds amazing (laughs) though. You get in my. No, if you go to my Facebook page, you can see all the lockdown <laughs> videos I did sitting in my office. It's, it's not. It's a. It's a glor- It's I don't know. It's a library. It's a storage room. It's everything. Um, but I. I just. Uh, I. <laughs> yeah, I thought no. I. I just really want to have these songs stand individually on their own and, and let them be their thing. And I think um, a friend of mine made a comment to me actually yesterday. He was the producer of my album, and he said, um, "It's really interesting how people don't." really listen to album formats anymore you know digital age has split everything it's fractured it's fractured albums Mm. and you might get a slice of one album and it's the only slice you ever get but there's there's 10 great slices in that album and you only ever hear one because of because of your taste so yeah yeah, totally uh, you've
0: got to fight very hard to 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 make a a body of work i guess understood or appreciated that that's what it is I do know what you mean, yeah. and, and and I think with with Spotify playlists and things like that, which are wonderful, but they they just really do exist around this idea of a single, and that's the bit you get—that's your moment to shine within the context of yeah. the other songs.
1: And there's nothing, and nothing quite as disconcerting as trying to listen. to a a whole album, well, particularly our, you know, Funky Monkey stuff, Mm. a whole Funky Monkey album without having a subscription to Spotify because it plays things randomly. And so you might get three intros in a row to a song that comes next that isn't any, you know, let's sing a song about bubbles and then all of a sudden you're you're riding a horse. So there's no... um, Yes, no, no, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's a difficult um, experience and we didn't, we don't really want that. We love to, you know. Yeah. If you have a disc, it kind of it goes one to one to thirty, and that's it. You get everything in order. Wow, that was great! Now I feel like doing something else cool. Me too. Me three. Chris, you're in charge of finding fun things to do. Okay? Yeah. What can we do? Hmm, I know. Let's make some bubbles.
0: Yeah. Cool. Was it, was it quite overwhelming or was it quite musically liberating for you to be able to sit down and do this on your own? Like, as you said, like, you know, there, 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 there's a there's a kind of a dream and a curse in sitting with an empty pallet at your desk in your library slash studio slash office <laughs> with no direction. There's something quite wonderful about that. But then at the same time, there's something incredibly frightening about that.
1: Oh, How did you, you find that? Yeah. You summed it up perfectly. Um, it was terrifying and also very liberating because I could I could do what I wanted. And uh, um, the, the uh, there was a couple of contextual things which are probably worth noting. Uh, we during during uh, the pandemic, uh, we had the national arts funding organisation Creative New Zealand say, "Hey, we just realised that everyone's probably in a lot of trouble. How about we make some um, arts continuity grants available for anyone? Send us your ideas, and we'll maybe give you money." So. Most of the Kiwi Kids Music um, Coalition here in New Zealand put forward applications, yeah. and and over two hundred and fifty thousand dollars was given out to uh, children's wow. musicians just within our our core group, uh, wow. and I was a recipient recipient to one of those. But the trick was they said, okay, it, uh, you know, you're going to get your money in July, and you need to deliver the project by September. We just need everything sort of wrapped up, so we had four months. Um, to finish whatever it was we were going to do, and when I had written my uh, application, I said I'd do eight songs, and that would be that would be great. And then <laughs> they said, "Here's the money, write eight songs." And I went, "Wow, I have to write eight, eight songs in four months." And so <laughs> it was it was kind of terrifying, but also very liberating. And it, it really puts you know, it's it's like you know, I was a little saucepan on the on the hot on the hot stove, yeah. going right, okay, I get I better get bubbling. So <laughs> I, I loved it. I know. It is very right. different
0: when it's someone else's money, isn't it? It's very different. Let's
1: all go to the zero And let's go see none of every
0: animal. Well, it's kind of funny because one one of the things that really stands out for me in uh, like, you know, I uh, uh, the, the specific track I'll use as uh, Zero Zoo is yes. you know, the, the arrangements in this album are just become so rich all of a sudden. Now they're present they're present in Funky Monkeys, but they're not as yes. prevalent. <laughs> no.
1: And,
0: you know, and I think the thing about this album is like you did say there's eight songs and, and but you know, and you know, I was shocked, Eight Songs is a pretty is a pretty small album, I guess, but as you just said, you know, there's so much single the world revolves around singles that, you know, eight's fine. Um but they're also rich. You know, the the, the arrangements are rich. The construction of the songs are rich. I mean Thank you. the actual question I wanted to ask had, you know. You, you've got because because you do stuff with their orchestras and things like that. I mean, did you did mm. a lot of this stuff? Did you use live players or did you have to use sounds within the computer to? Because you know you'd need one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to record a, a, an
1: orchestra. <laughs> um, uh, you would, yeah, you would need a lot of. Uh, so so, uh, the last time I wrote a song for the Funky Monkeys probably would have been in about two thousand and ten. One one that went to album anyway. So we've had. Ten years of technolo- technological advancement. Yeah, from the from the time I stopped writing for them to the, the time I started writing for me, and <laughs> I, I did I did not use live players very often. Um, It was a couple of guitarists and a jaw heart player, levity beat who you probably know of. Yeah, Yeah, He he helped me out with a cameo on the first track. But anyway, uh, the rest of it was in computer. And uh, I'm fortunate that I was able to do a music degree earlier on. So I have a degree in composition. And so writing writing lush and rich arrangements for orchestra, and and I'm glad you've touched on the Zero Zoo because that is an orchestral arrangement that could Mm. be done could could be done by a real orchestra because um, I wrote it in a way that uh mm. that could be done um that was my first kind of big uh you know i'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull out all the stops and so can... with yes, yeah, when on. I did uh, no as I was just saying um when I did zero zoo it it was the equivalent of four songs on its own because it's ninety tracks there's uh every instrument has its own no. track 90 yeah tracks. every tracks. <laughs> Every every violin has its own part, you know. So uh, there's there's a lot going on, wow. and, and then you you add in the the vocals on top of that, and you've you've just got this huge beast. So that's why when I said eight songs, it was probably more the equivalent of twelve. But four of those are Zero Two on its own. Uh, no, and- totally.
0: I, I completely, <laughs> completely hear you. I mean, I think Yummy Yummy Colours is another great example of just how, I mean, that, you, you know, you said Zero Zero has four songs within it. I mean, I, I hear that. I heard the arrangement in that, but but what you're talking about with these multiple and it's not just the arrangements; it's it's about the context of the songs and and you know just mm. dynamics and 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 changing tone and and texture within the song. I mean, you know, Zero Zoo isn't even one of those ones that stood out to me. I mean, I think of like Yummy Yummy Colors and just think there's about twenty songs in that yeah, song right. alone. You know, and it's <laughs> and it's kind of weird. What I really love about it though, because it because it is so complex and and um, not complicated, but it's very complex, um, mm. is it's kind of totally contradictory to The album itself—you've got this album that you quite openly say are silly songs, yeah. Yet treated with this real total sense of seriousness, it's really amazing. (laughs) It's really great. It's really—it's a really beautiful way to, like, I don't know. It's just a really lovely. Like, I think I think what you've achieved in this album is this way to celebrate. How important and how serious music is, while at the same time, just go. But still, I'm going to sing a song about nothing.
1: Yeah, you know? right, right. I, I mean, let me let me give you just a couple of key things that were inspiration for this album and, and, and creative decisions that I wanted to make. And, and these are things that I learned during Funky Monkey days. I just mm-hmm. love to touch on these because I think it's important to understand the foundation for why I did what I did. Mm-hmm. Um. And the first the first thing I just want to say is that I think kids deserve the best. And just because and and I've met I've met so many people who aren't in the children's music world and you would as well who just say, Yeah, but they're just kids, you know, like can you know, it could be way simpler than this and I'm thinking, Well, that's not the point. Our children are beautiful human beings who deserve and mm. adults to be falling over themselves to do the best they can for them. And so mm. if I can write for orchestra, who am I to say, no, no, that's too hard. And they, you know, we should just make it cheaper for them because they're just kids. They won't appreciate yeah. it. Well, I'm like, no, yeah. actually, they will. I want I want these kids kids to listen to my music now and when they grow up. You know, I want yeah. them to hear, to hear the, um, hopefully the, well, in New Zealand, we would say Arohao, the love, the dedication mm. um, that's gone into it, because m- children are incredible. We should do yeah. our best, and so that was really the first thing that I wanted to just get out there. Because um, I'm always going to do the best and make it and make it great, not just for kids, but we also have to acknowledge that it's families, it's grown ups that let their children listen to us. If yeah. they don't like if they don't like yeah. what we do, then well. You've yeah, it's never it. going to get played. Yeah, you've lost access. If it annoys a grown mm. up, you've lost access. Um, so you mm. you can't you can't overlook the fact that it's not just kids listening, but it is yeah. just kids listening. You need to you need to have it amazing if you can. Um, so that was that was huge for me, and I wanted to spend time doing it right.
0: Y- yeah, I, and I think I think we often get you know I I think when we talk. In my opinion, I think when we talk about the simplicity of music for children, I think we get confused with the actual body of the work, or I guess the music musicality of it and the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you know, there's this, there's this thing about children. Like if if you can sing in a in a in a, you can talk about any subject as long as you put it in a language that a child understands. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's something incredibly empowering for a child if they if they feel heard in that song or if they feel it speaks directly to them. And there's a reason why, you know, Yellow Submarine is a favourite song as opposed Mm to A Day in the Life of, because Mm -hmm. one of them talks about a yellow submarine, which is Mm -hmm. relatable and children can enjoy and have their own imagination around that. Whereas the other one talks about you know, people dying in cars and traffic lights. you know what I mean, like there yeah. is. but but what is present in both of those songs is the music is incredibly rich, you know, and I think yeah. I think the complexity of rich music doesn't negate the simplicity that is possibly needed to be addressed when you are speaking to children. And I think that's what you've done yeah. with this album, and that's what's beautiful about this, you know, as I just mentioned about this idea that it's so contradictory is you have these, Really, I guess silly. No, not, not silly. I don't. I don't think that's fair. And I know why you're calling it that. I know you're not saying it's silly, but I also think what you've done has created a really beautiful, fantastical world for the children to kind of embrace themselves in, which I guess could be termed as silly, um, but it's held up by this very complex, beautiful, rich, deep music that upon listening to again and again and again and again and again, more and more and more and more gets presented to you, which is an even stronger thing for children, for them to be able to revisit and build upon the knowledge that they had the first time they listened to it. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you thought that deeply into it or if that's just me sitting at home with a coffee and headphones no. <laughs> and thinking <laughs>
1: no, Which I tend to do. No. <laughs> no, it's it's that's really lovely. And I I really appreciate that feedback. Um I think you've you've you said exactly what I could only ever hope for uh, when it comes to uh, you know uh, the feedback that I might hear when kids grow up when yeah. it and go actually uh, you know like if a kid hears this and it goes oh you know it's cool it's an orchestra and then they go and do a music degree and then they come back to yeah. it they're going to hear it completely they're going to hear it yeah. completely different um, because they, they might know a little bit more about what sort of how things are stitched yeah. together uh, and I and I appreciate that. Yum colors are so tasty. Here are some I like to eat: orange, peach, and blueberry, red cabbage, and silver beet. Yummy colors are so tasty. If I could, I'd eat a lot: pink grapefruit, plum, and cherry, lime, and lemon, and apricot. Let's eat. One of the other things that I really wanted to achieve with this album was was bringing kids a sound which I think is going a little bit extinct. In the uh, children's music world, which is that orchestral kind of world, um, mm. uh, you, we we went from Prokof- Prokofiev and uh, Peter and the Wolf, all the way through the Beatles, which kind of changed everything. To now, now there's everything, except what there isn't a lot of is new orchestral stuff for kids which I mm. think is appeal, which is appealing to them and also at their level because again um, Peter and the Wolf was perfect for the children of the age we were yes. very steeped in literature and, and um, having death in stories was fine and you know these are all things that um, you know kids of the time were, uh, were okay with but now yes. we've kind of swung there's a whole bunch of um, other genres which have burst out of that, but we've left that whole world behind. And so I wanted to bring a little bit more of the yeah. old school um, stuff. And I'm being—I feel arrogant saying this because it's, my music is nowhere near as good as Prokofiev or Sestante or, in, <laughs> in, uh, you know, Carnival of the Animals. Who—who who do I think I am? Um, <laughs> but I will so say, I, I'm doing something that I know none of my peers are really. Um, able to do uh, a lot. Although with, there was one exception, and I'm going to give her a shout-out. It's uh, Rosalind Manowitz, also known as Rainbow Rosalind, who's in Dunedin, New Zealand, who is actually writing for orchestra and uh, doing incredible yeah, interactive shows. Um, so uh, I have to give her a special mention. But apart from that, there's not many others that I know who can write in the way that I do for the yeah. forces that I do. Um, yeah, so that's, I think, I think I, yeah. yeah.
0: And, but I think that's also the the, the whole idea too, isn't it? That is you don't, it's not necessarily about you getting it right. It's also just about you reminding everyone that it's an option, and it's not an yeah. option we should let go of. You know, and and it's like anything, it, everything builds upon itself. You know what I mean? And and it's got to mm. begin somewhere. And I think that's what's important about. It. Chris was such a wealth of knowledge, it was hard to constrict his interview to the wranglings of a 50-minute time frame, which is why there is a part two. For those of you, like me, would like to hear some more, just head along to your podcast page of choice and click the link for part two. And of course, for more information on Chris and his work, head along to www.chrislamsam.com. I'm Benny. Thanks for listening to me, Ask Chris Questions.